choir sings another beautiful song, The Blessing, which is one of my favorite songs. I've been known to jump up and sing with you. You never know when that's going to happen. But um, they sing a beautiful song. We're going to have that in just a moment. And we are going to then be in the Word. But let's look at the Word. Let's look at our text from James chapter 1. The message this morning, for real faith in a real world. Thank you for the one person who said amen. For real faith in a real world. I'm under the conviction that we need a for real faith for right now. First service, they shouted me down. So I expect nothing less from those who got an extra hour of sleep. Y'all should be good. So we're going to be in the Word in just a few moments. Let's read the Word. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, James, writing, the pastor of the Jerusalem church, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Thank you. I'll say it again. For the wrath of man. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Thank you for the amen. But listen to what he says. Be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves you might like that for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass or looking in a mirror for he beholdeth himself and looketh and goeth his way straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work this man shall be blessed in his deeds if any man among you seem to be religious oh I'm preaching now if any man among you and remember any man woman boy or girl that all fits if any man among you seem to be religious, bridleth not his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man, woman, boy, girl's religion is in vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless, the widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. You can say amen. Father, we ask your blessings on the word of God. We ask you to touch us in the hour that we have together. We pray that you will speak to us, challenge us, grow us, renew us, revive us. And Lord, challenge us as we move forward to be the church we've never been. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah! 
I'll just say it. Every weapon formed against you shall not prosper because he is for you. He is for you. Tony Hatfield, he is for you. Angel Jeff, he's for you. Delbert Davis, he is for you. He is for Jeff, Amy, he's for you. He is for blessing. He's blessing you. Blessing your children and your children's children. He's for you. He's on your side. Hallelujah. Why don't you give him one more great, grand, glorious praise? Come on, shout, shout unto the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Mandy Pete, he's for you. He is with you. He is blessing you. Your many children, their children, and their children, blessed. You're blessed. Belong to God. Man, we're going to preach. He's before you. He's behind you. He's on every side. He's with us. We don't have to be in a hurry right now. First service is over. This is the luxury service. We get to hang out a little bit. Why don't you just lift your hand and honor the presence of the Holy Ghost. Let him minister to you right where you are. He's all around you. college and Audrey Purdom was standing in the sanctuary she looked at me and she said hey kid she said always remember God is for you not against you she said that to me she pointed right in the face and she just she said it again she said God is for you not against you I took that to Lee College wrote it on a piece of paper and stuck it on my mirror and all four years in my dorm every morning Debbie Baker I'd get up I'd walk to that sink in my room and I'd see that sign every day I walked out that door with that message coming out to be clear he is for me he is not against me and you need to hear that this morning he is for you he's on your side he's fighting for you God has got it all under control It may look chaotic. It may look like it's out of control. But God has you in the palm of his hand. You're the apple of his eye. He loves you. He loves you. The world is going crazy. It's causing all kinds of division and trouble in the lives of people. I'm seeing people with their shopping carts going down aisle four at Kroger's and they're mad as fire. I'm telling you, there is a disturbance in the atmosphere. But if you and I will lift up the name of Jesus Christ, we'll come back into a focus. We'll come back into the mode of the atmosphere that brings a beautiful truth. All things are possible to those who love God. 
He is on your side. Amen? Amen. Give the choir one more big hand of praise and they're going to go. We're going to get into the word. Thank you, guys. You can be seated. We already prayed over the word. Can I just say this this morning? I'm going to start off with this and we're going to get right into the word of God. Not all religion is acceptable to God. Now, I don't expect that there's going to be a whole lot of amens. Brother Woody was here at the first service, so he knows where I'm going. Not all religion is acceptable to God. It's going to be a shocking statement to some in the room this morning that are very religious. You can't imagine that all your hard work, all your gifting, and all your talent, all that you bring to the table, the offering that you have, you can't even imagine that all your hard work is not going to satisfy God. All your effort and your hard work is not good enough for accept, to be acceptable to God. Not all of that before His throne. And just for the record, when I talk about religious people or religiosity, I'm talking about the Baptist, the Methodist, the Church of God Cleveland, the Church of God Anderson. Catholics, Presbyterians, Lutherans, Episcopalians, the Church of Christ, the gifted, the talented, the intelligent, the friendly, the independent, interdenominational, and even those who are online. Religiosity is like a virus. It spreads like fire throughout the community. The negativity is an infection in the life of a Christian. It's the first phase in the loss of first love in your life. It's the slow fade to hypocrisy. Listen to me this morning. It's a hidden cancer to the body of Christ, religiosity. That word religious that James is talking about in the scripture text that I read to you it pretty much meant the same thing then as it means now. Can I just say something to you? Be careful, church. Be careful. Be careful that a, a religious spirit, a religiosity, infection, a virus will infect your life. It can come on you unaware and you don't even know it. You have no clue that it's happening. It's called deception. I've said it many times in the past and Keep saying it until the Lord comes, Josh. Deception is a tricky thing. Because when you are deceived, see the whole idea behind deception is that you don't know it. You don't know. You actually think you're right. Deception is a liar. But this religiosity I'm talking about, it, it it invades the outward aspects of our Christian faith. It's in, it becomes an infection, a bacteria, if you will, over the things that we do. Church attendance, public worship, singing, praise, giving, testifying. It's all those things that we do of just going through the motions of Christianity. And it begins to destroy the things that we are, the things that we're to be when we come into relationship with Jesus. Things like being born again, 
Spirit-filled disciples of Christ and witnesses, witnesses to the world that Jesus is real. So it leads us to ask a very tough and personal question on this Sunday as we're moving towards trying to be the church we never were. I'm determined that we will not go back to what we were in 2019, that we will not be the church we were in 1955, that we will not be the church we were in January, that we will move forward to be a better church, to be the church that Jesus built and described in this word. If you want to go to where we were in January, if you want us to be back to what we were then, you probably want to look for a new church. Because I'm determined that he has allowed this season to come, that it will make us hotter, more on fire, and better than we have ever been in all of our lives. The first service literally shouted me down. Every five minutes there was people on their feet shouting hallelujah and amen. I expect that you are going to buy into the vision of what the Lord is speaking to us this morning because I'm here to tell you we are not going back. Not going back. We are going forward and we're going forward. And Yes, it's a little uncomfortable right now. We're going to get those things where it worked out. I don't think we're always going to be, you know, I think this virus is going to be killed. And I'm believing one service in particular. Godly God's just going to smash it if we'll get somebody on fire enough to pray through that power of healing. But but in the meantime, I'm not talking about we're always going to be very, you know, virus conscious. No, we're going to be virus conscious of hypocrisy and religiosity. That's going to die. Your grumpy, whiny attitude where you think you are owed something in the body of Christ just because you're a Christian and you think you got all the answers in the world. Let me tell you something. A wake-up call is coming to your house and you are going to know that it is in a humble, broken spirit that God sends revival to the church. Now, I've been up most of the night. I haven't slept too many Saturday nights lately. I'm starting to feel like that's going to be the normal for me now because I'm wrestling through each one of these services. God is giving me an insight. You know, there's, it's one thing to be a religious person. It's another thing to be a real Christian. Let me just put you on notice. It's one thing to be a religious person. There's plenty of you out there. I've met a few of you. I'm going to be so bold today that, Cindy, they may fire me. I've met a few of you. I know you. It's one thing to be a religious person. It's another thing to be a real Christian. So the very personal question I'm going to ask you today is, and this isn't for your neighbor. See, that's half the problem. We always think it's for somebody else. We always think, oh, I hope, I hope Sister Patty Harmon's listening because she need to get right with God. I hope old Brian Little's listening to the preacher today because he needs to get right with God. Can I just tell you something? That's your first sign that you're probably one of the problems. When it's somebody else needs fixed. Somebody else needs to hear the word. Somebody else needs to get it right. Uh, you ain't going to like me after today, so that's all right. That's, that's good. I'm good. God likes me. I know the Lord likes me. But here's the question you need to ask yourself today. Am I a real Christian or am I just a religious person? 
I heard somebody groan. That's good. I like that. You know, in my experience, I find that after a while, there's either fruit on the tree or there is no fruit on the tree. First impressions are not always so clear, but later on, if you watch long enough, you can tell who's making apple pie with their life and who's not. Now, I worked really hard on that one to be funny, and it didn't work. First service cackled and laughed. Second service was like, what? Apple pie? What? You ask some people, are you a Christian? They immediately begin testifying to what they do and what they have done and what others say. You ever notice that? Are you a Christian? Well, I'm a member of the Stratford Heights Church of God. Been a member for 55 years. I didn't ask that. I was baptized in 1915. Well, you old. I'm there every time the doors are open. Have been since I was a kid. I don't miss church. I sing, I teach, I preach. You ought to hear what everybody says about me. Yeah. I get that sometimes. But those are not answers to the question. The question is, are you a Christian? How do we know if our religion, our good, conservative, evangelical, Bible-based religion is acceptable to God? It can be summed up in simple terms. I wrote down these words. I didn't coin the phrase. I think Benjamin Franklin did. But he said, actions speak louder than words. Actions speak louder than words. James is much more eloquent than me. And in verse 22, he said, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving your own selves. James was pastor, of, I mentioned, in the church at Jerusalem. They used preaching to a group that had left Judaism. They had left the Jewish traditions. They had found the answer that Jesus was the promised and hoped Messiah. He was the one who was promised for generations. They sat by fireplaces with their children and they had prayed that, that they would See the day that the Lord would send the Messiah all through the Old Testament, all the way through Isaiah, all the way through hundreds and thousands of years. They always lived in this hope of the coming of the Messiah, much like we're living today in the hope of the return of Jesus Christ and a trumpet sound for the rapture of the church, which can happen at any moment. But they lived in constant anticipation of the coming of the Messiah. And here was this church in Jerusalem, this church that had found the answer. They heard the word. They had received the gospel message. And they knew that Jesus was the Son of God. But after a while, they had gone through enough. And they'd gone through some battles. And they'd gone through some trials. And they'd gone through church service after church service and begin to feel superior and begin to feel like all those Jews around them in the city just didn't have it together. They had all the answers and for long that slow fade into hypocrisy began to invade that little church and James, their pastor, is looking at him and he's sending out a message to him. He says, hey, don't just hear the word, do the word. Don't let your religion be in vain. Don't get caught up in complacency and compromising. Don't get your eyes on this life and the rewards that come and the recognition that comes. Don't worry about your rights and how people treat you. You 
Give your life over in complete surrender to Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what they do to you. They can slap you on one side, turn the cheek, and let them have the other one. You and I have to get back to a Bible-based religion that looks like the Word of God. I'm a little wound up. They held within them the answer. They had the answer for the world. I look at the TV screens. I look at what's going on in our country. I look at all of the hurt and the suffering and the pain. I look at the anger. And as a pastor, it's my job not to get on a soapbox and join the club. My heart is to stand back and pray and prophesy and to preach and to get a word out to the hurting, the dying and the lost and the bruised and the battered and the the beaten down and tell them, yes, I said it last week, but I think I'll say it again. Jesus is still the answer. He's still the answer. He's the answer. We have that hope in us. We have the promise in us. We know he's the Messiah. We know he's the son of God. We're like Peter standing up there at that Caesarea Philippi. And when Jesus asked the question, but who do you say that I am? And Peter jumps up and says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. We have that living in us. We have the hope of glory as an anchor to our soul. And he is empowering us to live a life. He's given us the tools and the instructions and we are living as if we don't know the answer. We're living in complacency and compromise. We live religious. We're followers of the promise. We know what they need. Can I just say this? I'm going to say it out loud. I'm going to say it right here in the middle of the service. I'm going to address an issue. Racism is a sin. It's a sin. That attitude has no place in the body of Christ. Don't come talking to me about it unless you were here to help us solve the problem. Violence, hatred, these are not right. These are not part of the body of Christ. This, all of this, James is speaking to the church. They've gotten puffed up and satisfied and cold and indifferent. And they're part of the problem. They're not the answer. We have the answer in us. James sees the need for a personal revival, Marty. He sees, he knows, he says, you, we have the answer. We're looking out over the city of Jerusalem. We are standing in the places where God sent the promise. We are, I can look up and, I, and now that I've been there, I, I've said it over and over again. I will never preach the same again, having now been to Israel. I've stood looking over the Kidron Valley. I've stood on top of the Mount of Olives. I, I know that I'm going to go there again. The Lord reminded me in prayer the other night. I was saying, oh, Lord, I can't wait until you are standing on the Mount of Olives. And, and that old eastern gate busts open and you walk through and set up your kingdom there. The son of David setting up the throne for all of eternity. I can't wait till you get there. And you know what the 
Lord spoke to me. He spoke right into my spirit and he said, you know you'll be with me. Woo-wee. I said, that's right. The Bible says he'll come with all of his saints with him. Woo, I can't wait. Wow. We have the answer. We have the need, the hope for the city, the hope for the country, the hope for the world. We have it within us, and James sees this, and he, he sees the need for a personal revival because, you know, revival meetings are not just meetings. Revival isn't just a, uh, we had a wonderful crusade the other night, but that's not revival. Revival is not an evangelist or a preacher or a church on Sunday morning. Revival doesn't come from a meeting. Revival is personal. It's individual. It's one person at a time. One individual at a time. You will receive revival. You say, well, I wish the church would have revival. Well, honey, it doesn't come that way. It starts in you, in you, in you. When you get up, when you start praying, when you start weeping and fasting and get in the altar, we'll have revival. Because after you get revived, then others around you will start to get revived. Am I preaching okay? Is this okay? It's just about teaching and straightening us out. Because we all get caught up in religion. And I'm over it. I'm over it. As you can tell, (laughs) James understood they needed a move of God. They'd fallen, and we have fallen. But God has been doing something amazing in us these last two, three months. We prayed at the beginning of the year, Lord, give us 2020 vision. Well, he has done that. He answered our own prayer. We said, God, give us focus. That was our, we got a banner out in the lobby. 2020 vision. We want focus. Focus on being what God wants us to be. Well, he's answered that prayer. He's scratching his head right now. Why are all you Christians sitting back, you know, just blaming everything and arguing and whining and getting all upset? When I answered your prayer, you said you needed clarity. You needed focus. Well, I'm giving it to you. I'm sending a wake-up call to the church, and y'all are sitting back wondering what went wrong. Oh, you're going to fire me today. <laughs> now, I love what I heard yesterday. You know, I, I, as I mentioned to you, I think racism is a sin. I'm not a racist. No one will ever accuse me of it. I've never acted like it, thought like it, done it, never in my life. I love all people. And, but I also see that we have a big problem. <gasps> I'm one of those. I see that we have a problem. There's a lot of racism. And you know what? It, I've seen racism in the church. Oh, I better be careful now. I saw that precious lady yesterday get on TV. This was the stepmom of George Floyd who was killed. And I think it was in Texas, was it Houston? Wherever it was, that city. Oh, no, it was Minneapolis, wasn't it? Yeah, thank you. I just saw the Minneapolis line in my head. This woman got up at the funeral and they said, the stepmother, Ruby Floyd of George Floyd, will now get up and speak. And she walked up in a beautiful white dress. And she got up there and 
she started, she did what I like to do. She started singing while she was preaching. And I like to do that. She started telling everybody, we need love. She said, we need love. She said, this, this is terrible, but this is bringing love back to the world. This is bringing love. I'm believing this is going to bring love back to every heart and every life. This is a woman who's laying her boy to rest. She's like, oh, this is going to bring love back to the world. She said, the love I'm talking about is the love of Jesus Christ. And then she started, woo, and she started singing and shouting and moving around, and she's preaching. Next thing I know, she's lost in the Holy Ghost. She's Pentecostal through and through, and she's shouting all over the stage, and the choir is shouting behind her, and she's like... It's coming. The love is coming back. Revival is coming back. And she dances off the stage. She gets down across the front and she starts shouting across the front. All of the audience starts jumping up. People shouting all over the place. And I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm watching this on the news and I start crying. I'm watching her and I'm like, come on, baby. Say it. Yes, that's right. That's right. Come on, sweetheart. Tell them about it. And she's just shouting all over the place and she's having herself a time in the Lord. And then the newscaster gets on and the lady goes, and she's got tears in her eyes and she says, well, this Ruby Floyd is evidently a, a woman of faith. And she said, and she is quite moved upon by the Holy Spirit. And I said, I am listening to the news just announce that the Holy Ghost is in the house. That is pretty awesome. That is pretty awesome. I'm telling you what, God is up to something big. He's up to something big. It's bigger than the Democrats. It's bigger than the Republicans. It's bigger than the president. It's bigger, bigger, bigger. Revival is coming. Hallelujah. Revival is coming. We've got to hold the mirror up to our own lives. And understand that there's a word in here for us. There's a word in here that'll give us the instruction we need. He says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. We've been hearing for too long. This is where the rubber meets the road. Our reflection has got to look like this word. It's got to look like this. Well, how am I supposed to treat my brother? Like this. How am I supposed to do business? Like this. You have everything that you need right here. He's gentle. He's spirited. He's full of compassion. Full of love. James looks at him and says, it's in your conversation. It's in your compassion. And it's in your, 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 your benevolence. It's in your talk. It's, it's in your love. It's in your benevolence. It's in your talk, your walk, and your compassion. It's in who you are as you give yourself to Christ. It's the real deal coming into play. I wrote this down. Somebody posted it on Twitter. You can do the same if you'd like. Sunday's praise dance becomes Monday's faith walk when we're the real deal. I'm talking about us being the real deal as we move forward into 2020. I'm talking about you getting humble and getting broken before God. I'm talking about you being the same person in the house of God that you are outside the house of God. 
I'm talking about the father, the mother that isn't cussing, renting, and raving, using profanity at the house. And then you get to the church and want to shake everybody's hand and talk about how glorious you are. Tell me about all you're doing for Jesus when you're walking out the door, smacking your kid in the head and cussing everybody out in your family. You got so mad. What, what if we were to follow you around in your house when you're ticked off and mad? What if we were to stand back and listen to you when you're all by yourself and you don't think anybody's looking? Would you listen? Would you look like the Word of God? Would you look like a hearer and a doer of the Word of God? Or would you look like something else? It's time for us to get real and it's time for a preacher to call it out. It's time for hypocrisy to die. It's time for you and your complacent attitude and living two lives. It's time that when you look in the mirror, what you are is what we see in the Word of God in your life. It's time that both pictures are the same. Come on and say amen if you believe that. What happens in your life on Sunday is very important, but what happens on Monday is even more important. It's the word of God seen in your life, seen in the reflection of your life. It's in your walk. It's in your character. It's in your compassion. It's in your conversation. Bible calls it being born again. Born again. Real religion, religiosity. Real religion in a real world that gives them real answers for what they need. And I point out there, but technically I need you to understand, we are part of them. It's not us and them. It's not us and all those. We are human people. We're part of the family, and it's time for us to get out and fix what we can. Can't fix it in ourselves. I can't, we, they can have forums, and they can talk all day long. Jesus is still the answer for a world that needs to know. Jesus is still the answer. Religiosity causes you to be a disappointment. Religiosity causes you to be a pain. I said that in first service, and something just lifted off me. It was like I was set free. Can I just tell you, your religiosity causes you to be a pain. I'm saying stuff, Tony. If it weren't for the anointing right now, I wouldn't get away with this at all. Your religious spirit, your religiosity stinks, but your religious spirit is a pain. You are a pain. Oh, that feels good. Religiosity causes you to be a hypocrite. It causes you to be a problem for the church. See, the world sees you. The church sees you. You're half in, half out state. Your friends see you. People at your job see you. Your neighbors see you. And you know what they say about that? They say, I don't want any part of their Jesus. That's what they say. The big difference between those who are born again and those who just have religion is this real faith for a real world. It's a relationship with Jesus. No one knew that better than Nicodemus. And I'm, I'm looking at 10 after. You're going to help me? start. If he plays real soft lullaby music, I start to land the plane. It just comes in towards the runway. Light, the lights are going. I'm seeing the lights sparkle in your eyes saying, okay, pastor, calm it down. Bring it down, pastor. No one knew that better than Nicodemus. 
He was a religious man. And maybe you and I are like him today. He was dedicated, committed. You know, we give the Pharisees a bad rap, but technically the Pharisees, they knew the law. They were the ones holding the ship together until the Messiah came. They just didn't recognize the Messiah like they should have. They memorized the Torah. They, they prayed two hours a day. They, the, the Pharisees were, were the dedicated ones. They, there was a group of them. There was a council of them. Nicodemus was on the council. He was a city councilman. He, he was well-respected in Jerusalem. He, he was a top dog. As a matter of fact, when you read the scripture about where he went to find Jesus, it says that Nicodemus, the Pharisee, went to Jesus at night. He went. He, he didn't want nobody to catch him. He didn't want the other Pharisees to be like, Nicodemus, what you doing over there? So he snuck in there at night. Because you see, all week long, he had heard Jesus was going to be in town. And he knew that there was this hole inside of him. There was something. He, he knew the law. He did all the religious stuff. He, he prayed two hours a day. He read the Torah every day. He studied it for hours on end. He, he knew his stuff. But yet, he recognized that there was something missing in him. There was a hole inside of him the size of Nebraska. It was huge. He, he didn't understand what it was, but he got word. He, he heard that Jesus was performing miracles, signs, and wonders. He heard that people were saying at the grocery market, he was down aisle four, and, and he saw that, that they were talking among themselves that Jesus was the Messiah. The son of the carpenter, Joe's boy, he's the Messiah. And Nicodemus got word. And he heard about the blind seeing, the lame walking, the sick being healed, people getting saved heard about all kinds of craziness going on miracle after miracle after miracle so under the cover of night Nicodemus finds Jesus excuse me Jesus Nicodemus I know who you are I just wanted to talk to you for a few minutes I just want to ask you a few questions because I've been hearing about all these signs and wonders and you and you know, God is surely with you. If you can do all those miracles, are you who you say you are? And if you are, I, I want to know you. I, I want to know what's going on. And Nicodemus was asking all these questions. And Jesus looked at him and said, except a man be born again, he can't even see the kingdom. Nicodemus says, I, I want to be born again. I, I want to I I be part of all that. I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what's going on. I am a man of the world. I'm religious. Are you kidding me? I know the Torah. I know I pray for two hours a day. Surely I'm good. Nicodemus, you got to be born again. How can a man be born again? What, does he, does he go back into his mother's womb when he's an old man? I don't know what you're talking about. This is crazy talk. What do you mean born again? Nicodemus, man is born of water and the spirit. He's born of the flesh and of the spirit. I'm talking about a regeneration, a change of your life. 
means being born again. That truth, transformation, change. Jesus was telling Nicodemus, being religious is empty. It's useless. If you haven't been born again, if you haven't been transformed and changed from the inside out, born again, renewed in your heart, relationship with Jesus. You've got your head so wrapped up in all your knowledge that you've lost the relationship with Christ. You're all about what you think and what you, your opinions and your ideas and your philosophies, but you've lost out on relationship. You can tell everybody what they're doing wrong, but you've not darkened the door of an altar. You've not cried a tear in an altar in years. You're the first one to argue and complain about what you don't agree with, but you're the last one someone calls when they need prayer, when they're desperate. Somebody calls me and they call me all the time and they'll always say, Brother English, they'll say, Pastor, I'm just so sorry to bother you. It's the first thing I always hear. And I always stop them. Don't you dare apologize for calling your pastor. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. If I'm available, I know with 1,400 members, I'm going 100 miles an hour as all of our staff are. We're constantly going. Sorry we don't just sit at the phone and wait for you. We're gone all the time. We're always doing something with somebody, but we, that's what we do. See, that's who we are. Some, some religious folks sit back. Ain't nobody called you in a long time. Ain't nobody beating your door down for prayer because they don't feel that when they're in desperate need, somebody to get a hold of God that, that you can help. That's fixing to change. That needs to change. Except a man be born again. He can't even see the kingdom of God. I'm going to close with this. And don't laugh, but I'm going to talk about Hair Arena for a second. I knew you were going to laugh. You see, that night that I drove... I've been raised in church my whole life. I knew, I knew revivals. I had them down pat. I knew, man, the, the preacher the first night he didn't know anybody, so it was a safe night to go. I'd get through by Wednesday night, it's healing night, so I could stay through Wednesday. Thursday is when he gets crazy. That's when he starts talking about Holy Ghost and baptism and come down here and receive the Holy Ghost. So I didn't go on Thursday night. And Friday night, no way, because that's like rallying the whole church and everybody shouts, runs all over the place. No way I don't go to Friday night revivals when I was a kid. I had it down, man. Monday night, safe. Sunday night, safe. Tuesday, it's okay. He usually, like, talks about problems. And then Wednesday night's healing. I'm not sick. I'm good. Thursday night, uh-uh, I don't go. I knew it. I knew it backwards and forwards. I knew how church went. I, I was raised in a Pentecostal holiness church. They, they swung from the chandeliers, ran the back of the pews. They ran all over the place. I used to collect bobby pins after church on Sunday night. It was a fun. I wasn't afraid of nothing. Some people come in our church and they're like, oh, you people scared me to death. Well, I wasn't scared at all growing up. I was around it my whole life. You know, they shouting. They falling in the floor. Somebody ready to call an ambulance. I'm like, no, they're all right. This is the Holy Ghost. 
raised in it my whole life, but yet here I am, 18 years old, and God was doing something inside me, and I am absolutely miserable. Every time I walk in the house, my mom is praying. She's praying in her bedroom. She closed the door at night, and she turned the light off in there, and she's playing music, Angie, you remember, and she'd be wailing and crying and praying. My mother would spend hours in that room wailing, and then I'd walk by the room several times, wait until she got to Ray. When she got to Ray, count how many times I listened to my mama's prayers when she got to me. I wanted to know what she knew. <laughs> I was miserable. Brian, I was miserable. God was doing something in my life and I, I didn't know what to do. But that night, it was Thursday night. I should have known better. They were at the camp meeting at Harina. I got in my little Maverick, turquoise with a black stripe down it. I drove to the hair arena. I parked in the parking lot. My mama didn't even know I was there. I walked up in the back, up in the balcony, sat with my friends, got through the service. The preacher was preaching. Conviction. Oh, I pray for conviction in the house of God. Brother Carpenter, you're a man of God. I pray that you agree with me. I pray for conviction in the house of God. I pray that once again there is a reign of conviction over sinners and lost people so they'll get right with God. I sat there that night and I was under conviction. I couldn't hardly sit there. I was trembling. I wish, oh God, let us tremble again under the power of the Holy Ghost. I was trembling. I was shaking. That preacher was preaching. It was as if he knew me. He was preaching everything that I had. Albert, it was as if he was reading my mail. That man knew everything about me. He's preaching all to me. And finally, I got to the place where at the end of the service, I said, I said, God, if I just knew you was real, if I just knew you were real for me, for me, I know you're real for my mama. She shouts all over the place. I know you're real for all these preachers. I know you're real for all these people. But God, I just need to know that you are real for me. If I just knew that you were going to be real for me, that if I get up and I go down there to the front, oh my gosh, embarrass myself. If I go down there and get in front of those people, Lord, I got to know that you're going to meet me there. I got to know. All of a sudden, a message in tongues and interpretation, the gifts of the Spirit was ministering in the camp meeting. And some lady over in the corner started speaking in tongues right immediately, right after I was thinking those things. Just started praying in tongues. The next thing I know, Brother W.P. Atkinson walks up to the, to the pulpit and he says, The Lord says, If you will just come to me, I will make myself real to you. He said, And I will empower you for my service. I didn't know what that part meant until later. But when he said, If you'll just come to me, I'll make myself real to you. I'm shaking, I'm crying. I am like, uh, and before I knew it, I'm like, I'm in the aisle. And I'm like, what are you doing? You are going down to the front. Oh, no. And I am like, you are in trouble now. They're going to lay hands all over you. It's going to be over. And I get, I'm in the, with every step, with every aisle, I go down. Every chair I go past, I'm crying, I'm crying, I'm crying. I get to the front, and when I get to the altar, there's these two men, a white-haired man and a dark-haired man standing there, and the dark-haired man looks at me and says, Son, the Holy Ghost is all over you. I said, I know. I fell on my knees. I was saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost all in one night. 
God turned me upside down. I went up on stage and I started doing the Rocky dance. I literally was like, yeah, yes. This shy boy that wouldn't even hardly consider moving. I sat up there the whole time and I said, well, I can't give up my friends. I can't give up this girl. I can't give up all these things I'm doing on Friday night that mama don't know. I can't give these things up. I can't do this. I can't do this. And then he's like, if you will just come to me, I'll make myself real to you. And I'm like, okay, all right. I got up. I walked down. When I walked away from that altar that night, I can't count how many times through the years I've went back to him saying I will make myself real to you I will make every time I get discouraged every time I get down every time it gets hard to pastor every time I don't I'm in a wrestling match all night long and I haven't slept I have to remember and I remember him speaking I will make myself real to you can I just tell you over and over and over again he has made himself real to me oh every time I need him he's there every time I doubt every time I have a discouraging moment every time I fight every time I go to a family I don't know what to say to him angel Jeff you guys broke my heart I didn't know what to say when I when I first got the word but oh I trailed over to your house and I told Jeff on the phone because after two hours I said God what do I say to this family? They're hurting, and I was in pain myself. I was suffering. I'm the pastor. And after two hours, the Lord gave me a word, and Jeff called me on the phone right after I got the word. I mean, I had gotten the word like two, three minutes, and Jeff calls me on the phone. He says, we're ready. Could you come over? And I said, yes, Jeff. If you remember, I said, I have a word. The Lord has just given me a word for you. And I was able to walk in their house. God made it real again for them, gave them the comfort they needed, the peace they needed. It wasn't my wisdom. It was the wisdom of a real God with real faith for a real world and we all suffer we have terrible things we go through but we have a God who is on the throne he has not vacated it he is still strong and mighty and he is the answer they're crying they're hurting they're in pain they're violent they're angry they're all torn to pieces out there and we the church it's time to get up from our pew and be the answer to this world they need Jesus they need Jesus they need Jesus they need Jesus he's for them he's not against them hallelujah set the man be born again we need real faith in a real world we need it gotta have revival I'm going to pray a prayer. Everyone stand with me. Lift your hands to the Lord. Just honor His presence for a moment. Would you do that? Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory to God. Hallelujah. We need a personal revival. God touch us. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 
If you're ready today and you say, in surrender, I give myself wholly and completely to God, to my faith, to my Lord. I want you to lift up both hands one more time. And I want you to surrender to the mighty hand of God, the powerful move of God. He's moving in your life right now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, touch us. Minister through us and in us today. God, melt every worldly attitude and thought in us. Change our lives and our hearts. God, take out the cold and indifferent heart that we have, the heart that's stony, the heart that's faded away into hypocrisy. Take out, Lord, that lukewarmness that is vomitous in your sight. Take these things from us and replace it. Old things are now passed away. All things become new. Lord, breathe on your people today in the name of Jesus Christ. Touch us by your Holy Spirit. No, God, we give you the praise. We give you the honor and all the glory for it's a work. It's not in a church. Can't happen by a preacher comes from the throne of God, from the Spirit of God, born from above, in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you need Jesus this morning. I would never end this service without making an invitation for you to serve and to come to knowledge of Jesus as your Savior, so you can know Him for yourself like we've been talking. If you need to be saved today, the Holy Ghost is either doing a work or He's not. You're already touched and you already know the need that you have or you don't. So if you're here today and you'd say, I need salvation, I need Jesus, and I need to get right with God. Somebody in here, you've served the Lord, but you've faded away and you have become that that lukewarm, I don't want to say the word hypocrite. You've tried to be right, but you've gotten away from the Lord. Slow fade. You need to get right with God. This prayer is about getting right with God, Christians and the lost. And if you're here today and you'd pray that prayer with me, I want your hand shoot up as high as you can. I want to be right with God. Amen. Amen. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Any others? Any others? I want right with God. Now, how many Christians say, I want renewed? I want God to renew me today. I want a fresh surrender. I want him to fill me overflowing. I want to have that regenerated spirit again. I want revived. It's the psalmist who said, revive us, O Lord, that we might give rejoice in you. I don't want to be revived today. Let me see the hand one more time. I want revived. My hands are both up. I want to be revived this morning. I want God to revive this church. We're well on our way to being the church we've never been. God has been doing it week after week. Last week, we spoke to dead things, dry things. We're prophesying and waiting for the wind of God. I believe the wind of God is here in this house this morning. And I know that God is working a work, a miracle in the lives of his people. So right now, I want you to pray with me the prayer. We're praying for the lost and for the body of Christ. Let's all pray together. Jesus, Lord, I'm asking you to come meet the need in my life. Be Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me. Wash me. Renew me. I know you're the Son of God. You died on the cross. 
You rose from the dead. You walked out of the tomb. Be Lord of my life. Be Lord of my family. Be Lord of my heart until you come for me. So according to your word, I believe in my heart. I confess you with my life. For Christians, I, risk, I surrender my all. I'm saved. I'm revived. I'm renewed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Many after first service came down for special prayer. As we are dismissed today, pastors are all going to hang around here. If you'd like special prayer, then you're more than welcome to come. Let me, are we still online? I want, if you're watching online and you prayed that prayer with us, say something to us in the chat. If you need prayer, please tell us in the chat. We've got thousands watching online. And we want you to know we love you. We care for you. We're praying for you. We are working right now creating a virtual online campus for our church. We're going to have a pastor. We're going to have people, a staff that's working together all for the online virtual campus. You are important to us. And we want you to know we're praying for you. We love you. We honor you. How about you guys? Do you guys love the people that are watching online today? Amen. We love you. And we want you to know we're praying for you. All the pastors are praying for you. Our people, we love you. You are part of us no matter where you are in the world. So God bless you, Stratford Heights. When we say Stratford Heights South, North, East, and West, we could be talking Australia, South America, Alaska. We could be talking all over the world. So God bless you. We love you. We love you. We'll see you. Camp meeting starts tonight. Virtual camp meeting all through Wednesday night. Please, please tune in, ohiochurchofgod.com. And we'll see you then. In just a few weeks, I think I mentioned it already, classes, adult classes, all that, after this week of camp meeting, we start back up. We're back to normal. We're back to normal. And we're going we're gonna, to, children's ministry starts July, the first Sunday in July. We're working extra hard with them to make sure our environment, our atmosphere is a safe place for all of your children. In the meantime, we love kids. We love kids when they're smiling, looking at us from the pew. So God bless you. I don't even want to let you go. I just want to talk to you all day. But I'll let you go eat lunch. God bless you.